slum, 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 gullion, slum, gullion, we've got season two of the slum, gullion, Japan's got still hosts the slum, gullion, I still don't know what that word means, slum, do, 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 slum, gullion, we still got some guests on the slum, gullion, we're not showing breasts on the slum, gullion, should probably fade on the Good afternoon, evening, morning, folks, and welcome to another exciting edition of Veterinarian's Hospital. I am Dr. <laughs> Bob, and three hours behind me are nurses Janice and Piggy. How are you folks today? Thank I just want to know which which one I am. I'll leave that question to the philosophers. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> of course, this is the Slum Gully and Americans o- America's only podcast. I am Jeff Paul, and three hours behind me are Scott and Mary Clevenger. Hi, guys. It's been a while. Yes, it, it has. has. It has. Yes, it, we are. We are officially back, and we are officially back on schedule. And we can blame Scott for this one, but it's okay because in Mary and my eyes, Scott is the bee's knees right now. Scott. Yep. Scott, yes. would you like to tell us why you are the bee's knees right now? I have never before been accused of being any sort of insect joint, um, <laughs> but I guess I'm honored. Um, I'm honored, and I'm retaining water. I've been, I've been, I've been, Scott is retaining water. That's what he's been doing for the last couple of weeks. Yes, I've been, I've been eating the native fare of southern Alabama, which is... So salty, I basically turned into Lot's wife. <laughs> it's, uh, I have to say, I I, uh, I went there 13, 14 years ago to write Frankenfish. And, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I am but, still a fan, even out of character as Ike. Bite me, Scott. I like that movie. I, you know me what? too. I think you're, I'm, I'm coming around to your opinion because I keep meeting people who enjoy it. So I guess. There I guess. you go. There you go. How. We're right. I'm always right when it comes to films. Nanny, any boo boo. Go on. Mm. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, I gotta say. I. I yeah. It's uh, just. Just to con- continue that thought. Um, I. Uh, my first impression of Alabama was uh, I got there late, and it was too late to go to the production office when I arrived. Uh, whatever it was, 13, 14 years ago. So I went to a restaurant. And they said something I hadn't heard in years. They said, smoking or non-smoking. Ooh. And, and uh, I was influenced by that. And then I went in and had a bite of something to eat. And they just should have said, uh, human food or salt lake. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, I mean, it's like everything's fried. Nothing's a vegetable. But, okay, okay. I, I suppose grits are technically a vegetable since they're made of corn and butter. Actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure the four Alabama food groups are corn, butter, pork, and frying medium. (laughs) The fourth food group is Crisco. Yes, exactly. Um, So I got, I, uh, I was down in uh, Mobile, Alabama again, uh, doing a, a hasty, uh, rewrite in the last two weeks 
before uh, the movie started shooting and through the first week of shooting. Uh, and then uh, they turn their backs because movie making is very complicated. And when they weren't looking, I left. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our boy was working on a movie. Yes, a, uh, I'll just, I won't say the title. It was a Nick Cage movie, uh, which doesn't narrow it down given how many movies Nick Cage makes. I believe uh, this is what, uh, his 12th for um, October? Uh, yeah, I think, well... Nick yeah, Cage, let's face it, to, to, to set up what we're going to be talking about later, um, Nick Cage is the Stephen King of Acton. <laughs> yes, it was, a, it, was a, uh, it was, I think, the Baker's Dozen. <laughs> But, but uh, so so we can we can excuse we can I- excuse Scott and 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 our absence this time because it wasn't for anything bad it was because Scott was writing dialogue for well Nicolas Cage yeah and I gotta tell you that that's quite an experience because um, you know I was desperately trying not to write deliberately Nick Cageian dialogue and that lasted for a couple of days and <laughs> then it's like I'm writing dialogue for Nick Cage. I don't know when this is going to happen again. Make the most of it, dude. Get his Nick Cage. Yeah, Cage it up exactly. And um, have him just... eat a bee. Have him eat a bee. There you go. Oh, we've seen that. <laughs> um, so I, he, he, I don't know wherever he is in his life. He, he wanted to play this character very straight. So he like cut out a lot. He, he asked us to cut out a lot of the jokes. Of the stuff. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter with Nick Cage because. It comes out weird no matter what. Even the, the straightest line you can like, you can write, he will Nick Cage up. And and it's the, the experience of watching, because I was on set, and, and the experience of watching actors say your lines, it, it, it varies from actor to actor. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. Or, oh, they're really kind of blowing that line. But with Nick Cage, it's no matter what you've written, it's always the same. It's like, what a weird thing that just fell out of his mouth. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember um, back when I was doing my sketch comedy stuff, the uh, first Rolling time, Donuts? Yes, yes, yes. Back when I was doing the donuts, the uh, very first, uh, now, now I won't say the first one, the second first full donut show that I did, because I did one and then a couple years later I kind of redid the same show. I made it a little bit different, but this show had a, um, we had a live band and there was music throughout all the sketches. It very much had like a, a variety show kind of feel to it. But I remember when we were doing rehearsals for that particular show, the cast that I'd gotten together were demented fucks like myself and uh it was really really cool hearing them sometimes because like you're saying i mean they would give interpretations of lines that just i never saw coming at all and i mean the original script that's why whenever i did donut shows i always just wrote one draft because i always knew they were going to change because the people that i was able to pick would just take what i wrote and go to the next level with it well i i don't personally believe that there are any demented fucks like you there are here's a frustrating thing that happened the director likes non-professional actors she would just see like a huge fat guy and go oh I want him in the movie <laughs> or there, there was a guy when they were looking for a half burned building there was a guy who basically kind of he wasn't homeless but he kind of lived spent most of his day sitting on the porch of this half burned building um, 
who had a stutter, and she wanted him because of his stutter. He actually turned out to be one of the better performers. He came in, he nailed his shit. It was amazing. But uh, <laughs> the, the heavyweight guy was basically there uh, because uh, she wanted uh, the world to see his butt crack, which you do. But uh, he had a line. He's, he's, the, he's supposed to be the, uh, the cashier at a um, truck stop mini mart. And he's, got, he's kind of hassling the, uh, the cage character, who's a truck driver. And his last line is he's supposed to, there's like a little cardboard uh, point of purchase display full of hostess uh, ding-dongs and snowballs. And uh, in the cage, like bought a hot dog and is just trying to get out. And he's supposed to like push, push the display for him and go, can I, <laughs> can I tempt you with our dessert cart? <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get the line. He kept going. Can I interest you in our dessert card? No, no, no. Interest isn't funny. You gotta say tempt. He couldn't do it. He couldn't get it. He's not a pro. Hire pros. Hire professional actors. But um, he couldn't get tempt. He couldn't get tempt. Kept. He just said interest, and and they just wow. Really, the for the director, the I think the important thing is the butt crack, which they nailed. They nailed the butt crack. I, I okay, know. this sounds like a completely different movie right now, Scott. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I came wrong. Um, so yeah, but I have to say this. I will say this about Nick Cage. Um, having watched, uh, having seen a lot of, you know, cut together footage, having watched him in the, having watched him in the uh, monitor, and having just sort of stood off camera and watched him, uh, whatever the guy does, it's entertaining. It's weird. It's he can just be off screen, doing his lines for the benefit of the actors who's getting their close up, and it's just. He's just weirdly entertaining. I don't know what it is. He's just, he's gifted and magnetic. And uh, it's it's peculiar to watch. We were all going, wow, that was that was odd but entertaining. We are all going like, wasn't anything like we expected. Kind of is, shouldn't even be in this movie, but damn, it was entertaining. So, <laughs> this, I was saying to Jeff, I was saying to Jeff when I talked to him before that I've worked on a lot of movies and, and, the reason I'm not mentioning the title is because I was there as a script, as a script doctor, and as according to the script doctor code, you know, you don't get credit, you don't expect credit, you're just there to help the director help and and uh, help the production. Um, so there have been a lot of movies I've worked on and a lot of scripts I've worked on that I ha- I ha- to this day haven't seen because who cares? Um, this one I will not be getting screen credit on, but I will be seeking out a copy of it. I will, I kind of want to see how this one works, partly because. I wrote a lot of it, but partly because it's going to be weird. <laughs> and Nick Cage and weird is always, at the very least, entertaining. That was our feeling. That was our feeling, that, that however the movie turns out, it's going to be entertaining. Um, it may actually turn out good. I mean, the director is a very smart woman um, who, who uh, do not get in her way. She she knows she's just she's like a bullet. Don't stand in front of her. Um, <laughs> I would and, like to add that it also includes um, Mrs. Nerdist, Chris Hardwick's wife. Okay. Is, oh yeah, Lydia Lydia Hurst. Lydia Hurst uh, is in it. Um, I had no clue who she was until um, uh, Mary said, "Oh, uh, Chris Hardwick tweeted about the movie," and I said. Why would he do that? Oh, because his wife's in it. Oh, oh, that's right. He married into the Hearst. He married a Hearst heiress. Um, she's very beautiful. Um, in fact, they said, "Oh, you know, we've only got her for two scenes. We should actually, uh, we should actually use her more." Scott, 
write two more scenes for. And they're like, about what? (laughs) (laughs) Come up with something. You're the writer. What are we paying you for? Okay. (laughs) Here's four of them. (laughs) I think they used, uh, I think they used, they might, they probably used one. I'm thinking they used one because it was the, it wasn't room enough for all of them, but she, she's a very, she's a very attractive woman, so. But massive congratulations, Scott. That 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 is really fucking awesome there. Thank you. So yes, exactly. So before before And I, my apologies to everybody for screwing up the, the schedule. It's okay. You were writing and getting paid for it and writing for Nick Cage, so it's all good. This time. Yeah. Write for Nick Cage again, then there will be problems. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm holding out for David Hasselhoff. That's okay. That's acceptable. That 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 is acceptable. Now then, b- 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 before before I get pissy, um, Mrs. C, is there anything that you would like to discuss or bring up, or that you have seen recently, or that you just want to BS about? I just want to bullshit about. Yeah. Uh I've just seen lots of cute things. <laughs> <laughs> I well, was congratulations in a, on that. I saw some uh, some people some people did like a little photo shoot with children with um, various conditions, diseases, that uh, is cute. and turn yeah, it's so cute. And they they but they dressed them as the Justice League. Okay, and they looked awesome. It was so cute. So that was on Twitter. So it was hard having him gone. I was not a happy person. You could, have gone, you could have gone out to movies and seen stuff instead of just sat there and watched uh, Ghost Whisperer. I didn't. Hey, just hey, Ghost Whisperer is not that unwatchable. Really? It's, it's not that Jennifer, unwatchable. Jennifer Hewitt is very uh, doe-eyed and chesty. I like the side characters. I I know I like um, Eli and I loved. Um, Oh, what's his face? Um, he played Professor something or other. Oh okay. yeah, him. We're, 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 not, we're, we're, we're not we're not going down this road. Um, <laughs> All right, so so yes. I I have a I have a thing that uh, just kind of amazes me. Uh, it appears that uh, anyone who who gets hired to direct a Star Wars movie can expect the same sort of job security enjoyed by the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts. <laughs> You see, my thoughts about it were much less funny than yours. My response to this whole thing is, okay, Kathleen Kennedy at the very beginning started talking about the creative visions that they wanted from the directors of these movies, and now everybody with the creative vision is leaving. Yeah, it's like, how dare you have a creative vision that that's, that's that we uh, asked not, for at the very beginning? Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. This is this is this is this is an assembly line. We don't need your we don't need your creative ideas on how to make a better sausage. Just turn the crank and what's interesting to me about this is how how little success other studios and other franchise factories have had seeking out uh, uh, creative visionaries Marvel gets these people who these basically not you know people who are who are uh, in the in the blockbuster pupil stage you know they've made smaller movies they haven't. They haven't made a bunch of blockbusters. They haven't proven themselves in that way. And is a good example. Joss Whedon is a good example. And they've done very well by them. DC, not so much. I mean, they they gotten 
they, they stuck with a blockbuster uh, like producer, uh, uh, a, a blockbuster factory on two legs, Snyder. And even before Snyder was forced to withdraw, it was obvious what a bad idea that was. Um, uh, Green Lantern, which I don't, I don't can't remember if that was a more film or not. But Green Lantern, they had a they had a proven a, a, a big budget uh, director, Martin Campbell. Green Lantern was terrible. But as uh, we all know, even as Ryan Reynolds said, they had no script. Right. Yeah. They continue. This they're continually failed by the scripts. I mean, I don't have a problem as as depressing as it is uh, from the perspective of its color palette. I don't have a problem with the visual style of um, Man of Steel or uh, Batman versus Superman. I don't, I, it's like, it's, the, the image making is fine, but what the image making is in, is the, the story that it's in service of is, is severely lacking. And I, I don't get how they have not, they, they cannot hire somebody who is primarily a storyteller. That's what I, that's, that's the benefit of going with somebody who comes from a lower budget background? Because if you cannot, if you don't have millions of dollars to spend on spectacle, then you need characters and story to keep your audience's attention. And people who have experience with that, I think, will do equally well at the big budget level, as long as they don't get so they, they don't get they're not like a a, a kid sit, sitting under the tree on Christmas morning tearing wrapping paper wondering what the next toy is going to be. You know, if they're not overwhelmed by the by the uh, uh, possibilities that they now have at their disposal, then you 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 can get the best of both worlds. You can get characters, you can get some you know a little bit of character comedy, you can get a little bit of character pathos, you can get you know interesting story twists, and you can also get the spectacle. But Marvel seems to be the only one that's so far found a way to do that until until uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was the first DCEU movie that I think achieved that. I, and I, and, I like, and Disney, Disney, I think, doesn't know, keeps thinking they want that, but what they they don't. They want to protect the brand. You know, I mean, it's as far as as far as um, I'm sorry, as far as Star Wars is concerned, they they because Marvel had a proven record of success, they're they're okay with Marvel continuing to do that. But Star Wars is a whole other thing. They 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 want that to be. Uh, part of the same. Uh, I, I don't want to say they want them to all look alike, but they want them to feel the same. I'm sorry, Barry, you were going to say. Um, well, the, the the director who just left. Uh, what's Paul and Trevor? Thank you. He did have he did have a blockbuster in Jurassic World, but his follow up was a small movie that that tanked. Yeah. Book of Henry, and, and it did not get good reviews. So. Um. Just in, I think I'm that was an excuse. I think that was an excuse. He was there. What I'm hearing from behind the scenes sources are he was just arrogant. Uh, yeah. Oh. oh. That, and and what, what I what I interpret that to mean, as far as Kathleen Kennedy is concerned, the one who makes these decisions, is arrogant means he wanted to. He had his own opinion about how to do it, and and was not was not flexible about turning the sausage crack. Mm. Um, I think he wanted it to feel like you know his own film. Not that Jurassic World had this you know highly individual sense of, of uh, style. It's not like it's like it looked like every other well-made uh, uh, effects-dependent blockbuster. I was going to say it was it was not the Book of Raptor. 
It was not. <laughs> so I don't. I it, I think it was just a personality conflict, but but uh, I, I think it it's it's always a bad idea when they when they when they get rid of a director fairly close to when they go. But the the script, I get. I think the 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 again the writing is where it failed because he was. They always give the director a pass, and the directors aren't always writers. And apparently, what it wasn't just his arrogance, but the fact that his takes on the script, his passes on the script were were, were bad. And they brought in you know, they brought in a screenwriter and they're going back to, to square one. So uh, I think I don't know. I, I it's gotta be challenging to to, to juggle a, a franchise like this because the, the stakes are so incredibly high. But it's it's true. These things are these things are freight trains going downhill. You know, once they start um, there, there, there's no stopping them. So if the script's not ready, too bad because your pre-visualization people have been working for 18 months, and your 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 effects people are already building wireframe models for your ships and your aliens and your cities and your planets. So get the script ready beforehand. But then they, that's the thing, they get the script kind of going, and then they bring in a director, and the director has his own idea. So it's it's an inexact science, and and it, I. I I would feel deeply for the people involved and what they have to undergo if they weren't making obscene amounts of money so they can just go choke on it. (laughs) All right. Happiness. It has been a while, so we need to continue about good sci-fi. Firefly. Ah, yes. Yes, we are up to... Now we're... We we saw... Last time we talked, which was a long time ago, (laughs) uh, we, we discussed the premiere... And uh, which was never with the, the pilot, which was never shown. And this week we're looking at the train job episode number two, which was the first episode broadcast and which had to be rather hastily written because it was it suddenly became the first episode. So it kind of reintroduces the characters and it retreads a bit of the ground from the pilot. Um, I think it was written in something like uh Oh, like three days or I do believe, I think it was, I don't know, I know it was less than a week. I remember yeah. hearing about this. Which, can't the exact days. Two days, yes. I'm yes. sorry. Whedon, Whedon and Tim Minear had two days to write the script. Holy and, shit. Yeah, which, that's one thing if you're talking about um, a sitcom. I mean, that's hard enough, but, but that happens. But at least with a sitcom, you've usually got, you know, then like three more days to throw it in the writer's room and have everybody pile on. But this, this was an hour long, an hour long script with a lot of setups and effects. And it's, it's a, it's, it's remarkably funny and entertaining given how quickly they did it and, and how, um, how well the characters, how much they are themselves. It's like, they really knew the characters early on. It's not like, a lot of shows where you got to wait till like see like episode six before people start becoming individuals with their own voices. Um, everybody was themselves from the very beginning. That's one of the things I like about the show. One of the th- one of the reasons that it sticks with people, and everyone's you know well, you know if you had if you rubbed a lamp and a genie came out, what would be your first wish? Uh, season two of Firefly. <laughs> people. I have to admit the one thing that I kind of missed from this pilot because I was looking I was as I was watching it today I was um 
trying to imagine, okay, if I'm watching this as the first episode, what am I thinking of this as the first episode of the series? And I do agree with you. I was very surprised by how well they, I mean, you're right, they knew the characters because they were them. But the one thing that I missed that we got in the two-hour episode was Kaylee being the soul of the ship. Exactly. I still yeah. like Kaylee. Kaylee still was one of immediately likable characters, but it, it, there was just something it did. They didn't since it was just a forty-four minute as opposed to the ninety what ninety-six minutes of a two-hour movie. You know, I mean, it was just it missed those moments that gave her the soul of the show. Yeah, actually, kind of, um, kind of backtracked on that on that impression a little bit with this because you first see her, she's getting her hair brushed. Yeah. No, 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 no. When you first see her, she's under the she's under the oh. um, the helm yep. of uh, Mal's uh, side of the that's the right pilot area. But you you see, she, he goes into the engine room and there's all these wires. So it <laughs> looks like a mess, and you think, oh, she's not very good at her job. Look at, look at what a yeah. shambles it is. And then as the show goes on, you realize, no, it's not a shambles. It's a miracle that it's still running. <laughs> And and of course him f- looking for Kaylee, finding her, and getting her hair brushed, and he's talking to her about the mess. It's like are there monkeys, yeah. Ter- terrifying monkeys. space monkeys, terrifying space, space monkeys. monkeys yes. Uh, okay, and I just got to say one second. Massive props to uh, God. I can't even think of his name now. Please help me. Nathan Fillion. Thank you, Nathan Fillion's delivery on where their monkeys was comic gold. Oh, half, half the thing, half the things that come out of uh, Nathan Fillion's mouth in the show are comic gold. In fact, Mary uh, wondered because there's there's a, a, the scene where where he finds uh, Kaylee in Anara's shuttle and says, you know, go go deal with the the uh, monkey wreckage. Um, he just starts to walk out and goes, you know, uh, "We do my hair." Yeah, I was about to mention that. Those are my two favorite lines in that episode. Yeah. it felt I, it, I, it very yeah, okay. It felt very. It felt like ad lib. I had yes. to add. I had to go. Did he just do that on his own? You know, like, okay, so, uh, yeah, we're done here. You do my hair. Reading stuff is always very written. But um, when you just see, if you see uh, Nathan Fillion just talking as himself, he's very, he's funny. And you can imagine them, okay, keep the camera rolling. Yeah, improv some exit line. Yeah, I I would guess because one thing he did he does have he had a background in soap operas. Yeah. And uh, you know, they always have them they they call it a, a, a take. And they will tell them, Okay, we're gonna keep the camera on you for, you know, three takes after, you know, your lines are over. So he was kinda used to that, you know, having to do something else after a scene has ostensibly ended. That there's something else you could do. So. Okay. All right. This this, All right. this was this was a good episode uh, in two respects. One, it introduces Niska, who uh-huh. is, before every single show had some terrifyingly brutal uh, Russian mob type. Uh, th- th- this was not this was not an exhausted stereotype yet, and <laughs> because because he's smart. He's very unpredictable, but he's also just, he's this little shrunken, withered old guy, but you just believe that he's not got a gram of conscience and will uh, have you flayed for for the smallest infraction. Not And not even that he's sadistic, not even like he would enjoy it. He would just have it done and then go have dinner. 
Well, that's the thing uh, that I loved about that first scene with, with, with him when he's like, all right, now you've seen the rumors about me are true. Now they are facts. I love it. As psychotic as he is, I you know I was like, all right, that's a good way to make an impression. Yes. And, and it really is. And, and unlike a lot of good characters, especially in, in single season shows, like, oh, I would like to see more of him. We do see more of him later. Um, I like that, the choice that, that Joss made not to make him like an every because these days it would feel like that would become an arc and yeah, we would yep. see Niska throughout the the series. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, it, it all of a sudden he pops up in this one episode and you're like, oh, no, it's Niska. <laughs> you know, you, you get that same feeling that that uh, the crew felt when they went, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that. That reveal, which we'll get to short, later. That was a lot of fun. But uh, short version of the plot. The title is the train job. Guess what? They're robbing a train. Now, I, I do like the fact that for the quote unquote pilot of a sci-fi western, it was a very, almost a very cliched western plot. Oh yeah. I mean, they, I, they, they kinda, I, I was like, all right, you guys did a very white. Since you had to redo it, this was the best. That's this is a great way to do it. <laughs> And I also, think, go ahead. Well, I think that may have been one of the problems a lot of people didn't get Firefly. They were like, what? There's cowboys and what? And I yeah. think it, I think the, the concept was a little too high. Would that be too high concept? Is that, that would be? Uh, it was, you know what it was? Rather than high concept, the problem was it was, uh, it was genre mixing. And yeah. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I'll tell you that it, it doesn't work often enough that uh, just speaking about the, the most recent film I worked on, it's uh, somebody, one of the producers asked me because they were, they were talking to film, film sales agents. And they said, well, how would you, what would you describe this movie as? And I said, well, it's a supernatural thriller. And when they talked, the, the director had a, for a while, she changed her mind. For a while, she was talking about about mixing various genres. And the the word that comes back from um, film sales agents is that's a hard thing to sell. That if it's not if it's one genre, you can sell that. But if it's not if it's if it strays from that, or if it's not the genre it's advertised as, you're gonna get a bad reaction from potential buyers. So. X-tree, X-tree, read all about it. End of this segment of the Slumgullion Stolen. Police suspect David Cronenberg. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. It's the unknown movie. Unknown movie. Unknown movie. challenge. That's, That's right. It's, it's the, the unknown, unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. It's the unknown what movie. What we gonna watch? Unknown movie challenge. That's right. It's the unknown movie challenge. Ready for battle. And welcome back. As the song said, it is time for the Unknown Movie Challenge. And we are branching into, once again, into the new film territory because Scott and I both saw it this weekend. Now then, um, well, we may not get as plot-specific as we usually do with the Unknown Movie Challenge. The story was written 35, however many decades ago. So, but so there are going to be some spoilers. It's an old story. Deal with it. 
No. Yeah, there's no there's no spoiling this. I know. It's a book, I know. it was a mini series. It's it's every every geek site is writing about it. There's I have no compunction about spoiling the crap out of it. No. Not that I know not that I know the story well enough to do that. But right, I mean, right, right. That, that's what I was gonna say. One of the one of the reasons why I really want to talk about this on the show is because now while I have read the book and seen the miniseries twice now. Scott, you knew you have not either read nor seen it, have you? So you walk into this, this is your first interpretation of this story. Yeah, I'm not a Stephen King fan. Okay, I I stopped a long time ago. Um, as a matter of fact, this is the book that was my first, oh, okay, from Stephen King. I am not a fan of this book. Okay. Um, I was also not that big of a fan of the original miniseries. Um, I did a rewatch recently, and while Tim Curry is still absolutely wonderful, the miniseries itself is amazingly boring and very, very um, early 90s TV. Ah, nothing worse. And the worst part of it was, honestly, is um, as much as I like the kids, I like the... the, the that's my biggest problem with this entire story is as I, I was always interested much more in the kids' story than the adults. So in the miniseries, um, it, it got some fairly well-known names at the time. So not only was I seeing characters I didn't care about, I was like, oh, look, it's Venus Flytrap and Jack Tri uh, Tri Tri Tripper fighting Frankenfurter. It kind of took me out of it, you know what I mean? That actually sounds like a movie I would like to see. I, I understand, but um, I, I've, like I said, never been a big fan, so the only reason that I was even excited about this film was, A, it focuses on only on the kids' portion of the story, which I'm like, all right, that's the stuff that I like, let's see how they do, and B, the early sections of um, that they showed of Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise were genuinely kind of freaky. So, Scott, um... Again, not knowing this story at all, going in more or less completely. I wouldn't say blind. I don't. I, let, let, let me not be. Uh, uh, well, okay, I, not I, having I not having read or seen an interpretation of the story yet. Right. I mean, this stuff leaks into the zeitgeist right, right, and right. can't escape it. So it's right. not like I knew nothing. But I mean, walking uh, however, in more however, or less. There, there were there, there. I did have some false impressions. For instance, thanks basically to the advertising. Um, when I went to see it, I thought I was actually going to see the whimsical French classic, The Red Balloon. <laughs> so, kind of disappointed. Point, Scott. That was funny. Um, there are people who are going to get that. They're going to love you. Yes. Uh, also, I kind of wondered why uh, this version, as opposed to the Tim Curry version, why this uh, clown has a, a, uh, a light bulb for a head. <laughs> Seems like maybe he's not evil. Maybe he just has some sort of water in the brain, kind of encephalitis, something no. that could be cured. I, I don't think it's treatable. But anyway, uh, what, first thoughts, what did you think of the movie? Well, um, I understand that in the book there's a sewer orgy. I, yeah, thankfully that is not in the film. Yeah, so no, that sorry. Was, seriously, seriously, Scott, that was the moment, even like as a teenager when I read the book, that was the moment when I went, really? Really? I, apparently he has said that now he would not have done that. Looking back on things, he probably wouldn't have done that. And my response is, good, because this is fucking wrong. 
now that well i think now he wouldn't do it because he doesn't have the same free access to cocaine but uh yeah so apparently that ignoring the orgy i didn't even know that was there apparently uh i and i don't know if there were any people who were hoping for a a tween peen spree um i like that phrase i don't but that's funny you know, it's not not. Like, I certainly didn't want to watch the kids have sex, but right. you know, I I just had to write four sex scenes involving Nick Cage, so I feel like why should I be the only one to suffer? However, <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, I will just just my first impressions were uh, the Duffer Brothers definitely had this story in mind when they made Stranger Things, uh-huh. and I don't say that simply because both projects uh, share the services of Finn Wolfhard. Who kind of sounds like like an Asgardian porn actor? I was yeah, I was like if Asgard has a has a forty second street, there's like a red light district in Asgard, there would be Finn Wolfhard movies. Um, and and no, no, yeah, no offense, Wolf, I, th- I think you're great as the sensitive adolescent hero in Stranger Things, and equally good as the foul mouthed, uh, vaguely racist comic relief. If yes. I can interject real fast before you go on, I just, just got to say that was one of the things that really impressed me. It could have been really easy to maybe cast him as Bill Denbro or one of the more serious kids, but letting him play the foul mouth, slightly racist comic relief, I thought really shows what a good actor that kid's going to be. Yeah, yeah, he's he definitely has range. Um, and, and people are going, oh, well, it's not yet. Uh, People think or saying it's uh, it's like Stranger Things, but you know it did it first. I go well, actually it was set in the fifties. Yep, wasn't it? Yes, so it was. they they made a deliberate choice, and, and granted, um, granted, um, um, chronology, the the t- Times Arrow has made some decisions for them because because of the twenty seven year. Uh, estivation period that the monster goes through. Which, by the way, real quick tangent, the movie came out on the 27th anniversary of the miniseries. Ooh. Just a little bit of, yeah, that, that, that they did. Just throw that at you. Okay. So it's, uh, but th- I mean, they deliberately did it in 88 just to get Oh, absolutely. For when, they, for when they get part two, it'll be, you can do it in the now. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I liked it. I liked uh, all the kids. So you did um, like the kids? I did like the kids. Okay, okay. I, uh, the, the Georgie was, was uh, I was afraid he was going to be like way too adorable, but uh, fortunately he gets his arm bitten off really quickly and sort of eliminated from uh, the main narrative, so I was, I was relieved by that. Um, here's the thing. Let me just cut to the chase. Yes. And Because you know so much more than I guess we can talk plot specific plot points later because you're so much more acquainted with it but this is just this is my basic and i don't don't even necessarily want to say issue because i'm not mad about it but it's something i really don't get okay was it supposed to be scary because it was so not scary so full of hackneyed horror tropes that there were times, you know, the slamming door, and the, there were times when I thought maybe it was supposed to be a parody, and, and, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just wasn't scared by it. Um, I, people behind me were reacting as though they were scared, but it just—I mean, I was entertained, even though 
this movie is one of the has one of the the most tireless. Uh, it's it's tireless about having the characters pass the relay race stupidity baton from one to another based on who needs to put themselves in peril for no good reason. Um, they characters who seemed smart um, would do really stupid things just so they can play into the monster's hands. Uh, so that was a problem. But there was nothing scary about it. Um, maybe it's because I don't find clowns scary. Just annoying. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe it's me personally, but, but when they're painted on smiles, they seem like those annoying morning people who are loudly and cheerfully insisting on greeting you in the coffee, you know, the office break room before you've had your first cup of coffee. The only clowns I ever really liked growing up were the sad-faced ones like Emma Kelly's um, uh, Weary Willie, because even as a kid, I realized that a guy like that had made a major career misjudgment at some point. Oh, the dick joke I want to make about that name, but I won't. Yes, and a naturally depressive demeanor seems like the most natural and rational response to... Clowns? Yeah, being in a job where you're stepping in elephant shit while simultaneously getting shat on by PETA. (laughs) Uh, It's just, yeah, I think maybe how scary you find this movie depends on how unnerved you are by clouds. Now, clowns real fast, yeah. real fast, um, while I am not one of those people that uh, runs screaming, as I've seen some people do to clowns, I am not afraid of them. They do disturb me. They do kind of creep me out. That being said, I fucking loved Bill Skarsgård. And here's the thing, not because he creeped me out. He did creep me out, but the thing that I loved about his performance, and as great as Tim Curry is, there's a very big distinction between the two. And this was, I think, a very deliberate choice, and I I liked it. As great as Tim Curry was, Tim Curry basically played an evil clown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill Skarsgård, to me, play was playing a fucking otherworldly demon that was just playing a clown because he liked it. Okay. There was something very just different about Skarsgård's performance. It, 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 I, it was he, he just it didn't you couldn't recreate um, Curry, so he went in a completely different route, and it actually felt to me more like what the creature would have been in the original story. Something you know, I mean, he I mean he used the clown because the kids like clowns or are afraid of clowns, so it's an easy thing. It's his favorite. They even say in the book at one point that that's his favorite um, image, but in the book he becomes whatever fears you. Like at one point he becomes the creature from the Black Lagoon. He changes into Frankenstein monster. Um, it's a variety of different things. I, they really cut it down to just Pennywise in the adaptions. Well, because, of course, it's the marketing face. Right. Um, but that so, being said, oh, to answer your question, though, I think I actually can't answer whether they want it to be frightening or not. And this is at least why I really liked the film. Well, it looks like it was creepy to me. It didn't scare me. But all of the the tropes that you that you that you kind of had an issue with mm-hmm. for an adult who watches a lot of films, yes, that would be irritating. But for kids, 
I don't think, you know, I mean, those things, like the kids in the film, those things would still be scary. I honestly think that what the directors were trying to make here was, for lack of a better word, an R-rated kids film. Well, that's stupid. Well, here's the thing, though, but it, 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 it... it kind of felt that way because one of the things I like about the film is so much of it is also, and this was in the book as well, is, is dealing with them dealing with their own issues. Like, let's talk about Beverly and her sick father, or not, or right, right. You know, uh, I mean, I, before I, I, before we get too far away from it, let, let me just let me just say react to something you said. Oh yeah. Um, so the monster, so the the uh, the the kids section in the book is set in the fifties. Yes. And you see, and the kids see the monster manifesting as also the creature from the Black Lagoon, also the Frankenstein monster. So it sounds like it doesn't have any particular shape. It just appears as whatever it thinks will scare them. And it just, Pennywise just happens to be its favorite shape. I believe there's an explanation why, but I don't remember. But I'm pretty sure, remember, it's been a while since I've read the book, but I'm pretty sure somewhere in there. If there's a Stephen King fan out there, if you want to let us know for sure, that'd be awesome. Uh, I have no problem with that. But I'm pretty sure they said that he likes the shape of Pennywise. Okay. So it could be, if that's the case, then all of the hackneyed, threadbare, shiny-at-the-elbows uh, horror tropes that they throw into this movie, but you know, like especially in the the old abandoned house. Oh yeah, section could be uh, deliberate uh, attempts to use classic uh, fear-inspiring devices on kids. However, that's really meta. My impression watching the okay. movie was it's just shitty filmmaking. Okay, it's just it's just tired, unimaginative we don't have a better way to do this. And I'm amazed that they didn't like throw a cat at somebody in a dark room. Here's the other thing. Um, there was yeah, so I much. I will of agree it... with you. I did make a cat joke. I did okay. make a cat joke. Yes. And there was so much of it, so much of this kind of stuff that it really had me rolling my eyes at, at certain points. Like for instance, Georgie goes down into the basement, which he's scared of, even though, there's no there's no bulb or the bulb was burned out. Okay, fine. I don't believe that for a second, but whatever. Let's get our movie started. Um, one year later, Bill goes down into the basement. Nobody's thought to change that bulb yet. It's still the light still doesn't work. I'm going like, okay, that's just a thing now. It's like okay, why I'm gonna you play. Know there, if you know there's a monster. I mean, at least Georgie didn't know there was a monster. He was I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I am going to yeah. play devil's advocate on this. And this is actually, and while I agree with you that this is something that they could have probably explained better, and certain things like that might make, I won't say make sense, but I can excuse it. One of the things that is set up in the book that is kind of set up in the movie, I think is implied in the film, is that the entire town is tainted. I mean, everything about that town, all of the adults, everybody, the, the thing that lives at the bottom that comes out every 27 years has has absolutely just, just has ruined everything. So, no, you know, to a degree, no, they haven't changed because they don't give a shit. OK, so so they I don't know, perform, I, I get the argument. They don't perform the basic. They don't perform basic household maintenance because they have a town taint. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, all right. Well, that's okay. That's sure. But it it kind of took you. me out of the. Understood. Okay. Um, you know, but while I'm registering complaints, uh, I did like the movie. I was entertained by it. I did like. Thank goodness they cast some kids who were not annoying little tykes. Agreed. Uh, kid actors have gotten so much better now. There was there was a time when I would not have come anywhere near this movie because it involved children and child actors are horrendous. But they're not, you know, n- nobody's cranking them out of the the uh, Shirley Temple factory anymore. Nobody's trying to be. Nobody in this movie is trying to be adorable except Georgie, and Georgie gets what's coming. Exactly. So um, they're all. It's it's uh, and it also has less of that. Uh, tiresome uh, suspension of disbelief breaking self-awareness that the kids in Stand By Me have where you know, you've got these adolescent boys who are sharing their feelings and there's no fucking that doesn't that never happened um, the kids are basically you know arguing with each other a lot and, and scared and uh, uh, not not really that self-aware I mean they all have little moments of self-discovery like when the kid discovers his, realizes his mom has um, uh, you know, Munchausen by proxy going on nah. um, but they were it was they were a lot less hard to deal with um, oh I know what the the one thing that did scare me the one thing that scared me in the movie was Beth's pervy dad yeah because yeah. I didn't know how far they were going to... I didn't think they were going to go very far with it, but it was an R-rated movie. So I wasn't entirely at ease that it was just going to be background. Yeah. Uh, if I'll tell you this. If this was a movie we were seeing, um, a horror movie, and it was made in the 70s, I would have been terrified, because you know they would have had... Uh, there would have been a scene, yeah. There would have been a scene. Yeah, you're, you're, As you're we've right. discovered. You're, you're right. There probably there, there probably would have been a scene. And like I said, dude, I said I am not. Like I said I am not a fan of the story to begin with. What What's your problem with the story? Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, okay. The way the book, the way the book, and the way the miniseries, then it kind of bounces back and forth between the kids and the adults. Okay. Right. And a, I did not like the adult characters at all. Mm-hmm. So because of who? The, because of who they were played by, or because? No, no. I'm talking when I read the book. Oh, we're I just thought they weren't interesting characters as kid as adults. Okay. They none of them interested me at all. Like every time it switched to the adult section, I'm like, okay, where are the kids again? I want to go back to the '50s. I really like the kids' storyline. Uh, and and could, could the book have been 500 pages shorter? Yes, it should. I I would have had no problem with it just being like about the kid, which was no reason why I think I like this movie. This is the story that I like. Right, and I I have to tell you, I wasn't excited. To see uh, the, the superimposition at the end, to, you know, it chapter one, uh, it see, will be back. In- see, I'm not either because the adult portion of the story not only is I think it amazingly boring, but the ending is so bat shit insane. I don't in, know how the, the fuck they're going. It involves in keeping, a giant with, turtle. Uh, yeah, people. It's one thing I was reading. I was I was scanning through some things because this is how I found out about the sewer orgy scene. Uh, I was just, I wasn't even looking for reviews about it, but it said, oh, 
here's what happened to the sewer orgy scene in Nineveh. What? Okay, click on it. And people were talking about, you know, half the people were arguing that, oh, he's some sort of perv. Half the people were arguing, goes, well, he may be a perv, but maybe it was just uh, he was, you know, drunk or uh, on drugs. And anyway, he's no peer as Anthony. Um, and then uh, everyone seemed to warm to the theme that and want to express their their support for the theme that how, what, however you may feel about Stephen King's writing, and there were was a variety of, of feelings about it, he he cannot write an ending to save his life. Completely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Even, even in his successful books, apparently, the endings just... That is one of the things that he he's never been able to do well. Even The Shining, which is one of my favorite books of all time. I hate the ending. Okay. But, I mean, it's just everything about the adult storyline is just annoying, and the ending is just so fucked up. Even me. And, you know, I've written some fucked up out there things. Sure. Even I'm sitting there going, no. Just no. And this was. This was the first book. Up until it, I was a huge King fan. This is the first one where I went... Dude, have I been wasting my time with you? And then I read the short story, The Lawnmower Man, and then it totally ruined it. But but like I said, I mean, I walked into this movie going, all right, maybe it's because I was expecting nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, I guess I mean, like I said, I, I and maybe I think more much more than the miniseries. That's one of the things I really did like about the film is that this the movie, at least to me totally set up the idea like i said earlier that this entire town is disease that penny that pennywise's evil has just soaked into everything it is a part of the town like well, they it's a bad some, it's a bad town they hint about there being some sort of original sin i and i don't know if it's a you know massacre of the native americans or, or what happened but there's there do they go into detail in the book is there yeah some? they no you yeah you do find out what Pennywise actually is in the back half, and it's really fucking stupid. Well, you might as well tell me that. I'm not spoil anything. Alien. Seriously? Alien? Yeah. 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 Crash wow. landed. Crash landed on the planet like millions of years ago on an asteroid or something like that. And and he couldn't find anything better to do than than uh, occupy the public works and put on clown white. Like I said, we can ignore the back half. We can ignore the explanation. Well, I, I, we can now, but it's gonna it's gonna be in our our neighborhood theater. In a yeah, well, like I said, I mean, like the end, like the, like the ending of like, it, there's like there's a giant turtle, and they go into parallel dimensions. Like there was parallel dimension stuff that was cut from this part of it as too. I mean, it, the, the whole book is just insane. But well, there's um, a bit, there's a bit of parallel dimension stuff because they they did what here's here's yeah, something that's I, true that's true because here's here's something that that I thought at first. Um, the oh the movie's breaking its own rules because you know it's like none of this stuff is real and yet some of this stuff that's not real to some people is real to other people which actually is kind of interesting but seems like a cop out um, but they faced it head on I mean you know the 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 bathroom is painted with blood she's painted with blood dad comes in doesn't see it he just sees her sitting on the floor going well, you know why, why are you why are you doing that um, and it doesn't disappear when the kids come. They see it, so obviously there's some sort of otherworldly parallel dimension thing that they actually have to they actually have to mop down the the bathroom to get rid of the blood. Um, that that was interesting. That was different because almost always that's a fa- that's a hallucination. Right. And someone walks in and all of a sudden everything's back to normal. 
So it didn't explain anything, but it was weird enough that I liked it. Another um, weird little moment that, that, that I really liked, and I, and I should know the name of the kid, when I think it's Mike, when Mike is going through the History of Dairy book at the library. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the librarian in the background? No. Before Okay, before you see the balloon, mm-hmm. um, it's right at, every time it like, cuts to a shot of him looking at the book, if you look over, like at one point when he first starts opening the book, the librarian in the back just turns to him. And every time it would cut to a shot of him looking at the book, the librarian's in the back and kind of has an evil look on her face. Well, and it's just, just in the background. If you notice it or you don't notice it, but then when he turns around, then, then she's gone. The balloon was there. Okay. But that was a nice little, oh, oh, ooh, 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 ooh. I do like the fact that they didn't explain it because, once again, it just sets up the fact that the whole town is diseased. And that was the one thing that did not come across in the miniseries at all. Oh, really? No, no, that didn't know. You never, it did, you never felt that at all. Okay. And that, that, I think that's another reason why I like, because these are, these are things from the book that I, I thought about. I remember watching the miniseries going, okay, that would have been interesting if they'd done that. And actually seeing it, maybe I'm being more forgiving of the things that are stupid because they're actually, the movie explored some stuff that the miniseries didn't. Yeah, I I wonder about that. It's very I wonder possible. about that because we've got so much underlying material. You've got you've got a TV miniseries, which is hours and hours of material. You've got a thousand page book. Um, you've got people on the internet with their fucking opinions. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to consider when trying to take this movie on its own merits. So I think I, I I'm glad actually that I have no more familiarity than what I gathered from sitting in the theater. Um, I think it's weird. I have a very, for me, untypical reaction to the film. I think as a horror film, it completely fell on its face. But as a film, it's a good I movie. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I it's, the kids are. What did you What did you think of Bill Skarsgård? Um. Well, I, I feel like if you're going to call yourself Pennywise the Dancing Clown, you should be able to dance. Frankly, his dance number was a little disappointing. <laughs> That's just me. Maybe I'm being too hard. Um, I, <laughs> I, I did, and you kind of, this is something you sort of alluded to before. I liked the scene early on when he's in the sewer and he's talking to Georgie. And, I mean, the thing about Pennywise is he's talking to someone and ostensibly trying to get them within range. But he starts like having, you know, like like Georgie's face starts melting off, or when, jo- when Georgie is his avatar, or whatever. He just starts speaking in this horrible voice. I was scary. You know, before they before anybody's made a decision to come over there, it's like don't reveal yourself until they. What kind of predator are you? That really sucks. <laughs> Your technique is terrible. But um, I did, I did like that that scene where he's talking to Georgie, and he's. He's being overly friendly and overly cheerful and kind of clown-like, and there, but there's like a little bit of spittle, like just dripping out of his mouth, and that could be the rain. Yeah. But it just looked like he was drooling slightly. Yeah. And then he's his eyes would go sort of unfocused for an instant, like he'd lo- like he'd lost his train of thought or he he was he wasn't there for a moment, and then he would wake up again and talk to the kid. I thought, oh, that's interesting 
but he's not he's not playing a person. He's not so it's not like he's a psychopath. Right. He's just he's, just, he's a monster. So that was that was the thing. As much as I love Tim Curry, you could just easily dismiss Tim Curry's Pennywise as just a psychopath. You can. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's the thing that I really do like about Skarsgård is you cannot just say, okay, he's just a crazy guy. He there, he is a monster. <laughs> yeah. Now I admit I really do wish they kind of would have done more of the um, more shape shifting abilities of Pennywise. Or any, really. I mean, there's. I mean, I guess, I guess when Georgie shows up, there are a few other. Exactly. The leper, they're, you know, I the mean, leper, they, they right. kind of went for that. But, but you don't really, you get the sense more that that's more, that that, that is more of a hallucination, hallucination, that is designed to evoke fear in, in the specific person. It's playing on somebody's phobias, rather than it's Pennywise assuming this form. I didn't get that sense. Okay. Uh, and maybe it was just because of the, uh, kind of the, the layout of where these scenes happened, um, I don't know. I, I don't. Know. It, th- that's the thing. It's like, what's real, what's not. Um, I guess if you don't know, it's supposed to evoke kind of a constant sense of anxiety. Because if you you can't just say, this is this is a uh, a dream, this is a hallucination, this can't really hurt me, because sometimes it can really hurt you, and then other times you get like sense of well, it can't. Um, like when the acid is spreading across the floor, right? Is that is that going to hurt them or not? It seems like all they have to do is just decide it's not going to. Um, it I guess it's real if they're afraid of it. I guess it can hurt them if they succumb to fear. If they decide not to, it's fine. I don't, the well, that's will, that's will. kind of that's kind of the point of the ending. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and thankfully not involving preteen sex, but, you know, I mean, the, 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 their bond is like, yeah, we're not afraid of you. You can't do shit to us anymore. And I understand for the preteen sex thing, it wasn't even, the, the, the battle was over by that point. Yeah. It's, yep. just, it's just they were lost. Yep. It's like some somebody said, and I wish I had noted who said that. I think it was on io9, commenter, uh, talked about, it's like, you, uh, using uh, Beverly's magic vagina as a GPS, it's like they they maybe 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 a a, a compass or uh, a diagram might have been better. Than, no, we'll have sex and figure out things. That's I mean it's bad enough. They really give you crap now if you're using your uh, your smartphone with a GPS app, you know, because right. you look at it, the cops can ticket you in this state. So if you're actually if you you know if your girlfriend's on your lap. And you're going at it as you're tearing down the freeway, and you have to explain. Well, we were lost, um, and this is, of course, one way uh, that you can find your uh, uh, find uh, the most uh, efficient route to where you're going. <laughs> now, I gotta say, along the line, I mean, I I won't say that it was scary. I can't say that it was scary either. Um, I mean, your your standards for what's scary. You're you're an old horror hand. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Isn't so, this I mean, stuff is isn't this stuff as familiar to you as it is to me? Oh, it's, absolutely. But like I said, I mean, I really this film. I know this is going to sound weird, but this film reminded. It was for me, but I was sitting there thinking, for these kids, it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Well, it makes some sense because. 
I, as we were discussing, I guess the monster's power depends upon how much it can frighten. So, I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with it because, like I said, I mean, for me, it was like, okay, this this would mess with those kids' head. So, I mean, like I said, I was just more, I, I mean, the only thing that really, Skarsgård creeped me out, but I can't say he scared me. Like I said, I wasn't running screaming from the theater. Very few films have legitimately, as I've said before, scared me. I mean, this sure as hell isn't Texas Chainsaw or The Exorcist. Right. No way in hell. But that being said, considering that I've never been a big fan of the material, I'm surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. I'm surprised by how much uh, business it's doing because know, it's not I like know. Stephen. It's not like Stephen King. I guess. I guess people have, even though people don't talk about him as much as they used to, as in the '80s especially, he was inescapable. Oh yeah. Um, I guess people have continued to read him. Uh, so I. Well, remember, there must, it does put out like 3,000 books a month. Right. So <clears throat> there must be a uh, there, there must be a pre-existing audience for this kind of thing. But for a horror, for an R-rated horror movie to do, there, there was, by the way, somebody there who's trying to take kids in, kids about the age of the protagonists. Uh, it was an old, it was like somebody, it must have been somebody's older sister, because she was like 20, 20, 23, and they were going, uh, that's not really guardian age. And I'm like, it says it must be. Is it, it must be. Oh, okay, I guess. So it's like anyone under seventeen here on a guardian. So they're they're the people at the ArcLight Theater were deciding that twenty three or twenty whatever it was it was not guardian age. Okay. Um. So they they were being pretty careful about letting kids in to see this. But there must be people who don't ordinarily go see horror movies who are seeing this because it's making so much money. Well, and also, I know there are a lot, and I mean a lot of It fans. A lot of people think it is one of his best books. Okay. A lot of people do. Well, they, so. they, it's certainly, I mean, it must have sold a ton of them because they made a TV miniseries. Oh, no, yeah, it, it was it was at the time, like, his metaphorically and literally biggest book. Was it? Oh yeah, no, it 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 it, it, it forgive the forgive the pronoun game was huge. I I remember when um, the miniseries aired, it was it got amazing ratings. Oh, it okay. won its time slot. I think everybody watched it because everybody wanted to see this. So I mean, I think that is part of it. Is it is one of the stories? Just like you know, I remember when um, Pet Cemetery came out. Pet Cemetery <laughs> opening weekend did amazing business because that was at the time one of King's most popular. Well-regarded books. That's the one people have urged me to read. That's the only book of his that genuinely scared me. I fucking love Pet Cemetery. Okay. That uh, that is the only one of his that genuinely scared me, and it has an ending that I remember to this day. The last line of the book is ingrained in my head. Because I read it when it came out, and I'm not—I I could repeat it, but I'm not going to, just in case you ever decide to read it. Probably won't, but uh, somebody out there might. So, okay. <laughs> Needless to say, yeah, the last line—it's it, just—it's a brilliant, brilliant, and it—I read it when it came out. I was a teenager, and I got to the end of the—I read it in one night because my speed reading kicked in, and I did not sleep for the next two nights. Mm. And it was entirely because of like the last page of that book, just t- totally. Fucked me. Well, all right. Fascinating, irritating thing. Scott. Fascinating, irritating. Well, uh... Fascinating, irritating. I guess the... 
irritating thing, I'll start with that, is I don't understand why this had an R rating. Other than the language, other than Finn Wolfhard's salty patois, I don't get why uh, it had an R rating, because it wasn't really that gory. It wasn't, I, I guess, I guess um, maybe it was the implied or threatened incest. Um, but mo the violence was rather bespoke. You know, you didn't even see, uh, what's his name, the bully kid, uh, I mean, you saw him stab his, his father. But you don't, you don't, he put a switchblade against his neck and then pressed the button. It was, that's, he didn't slash. I mean, most of it, it was just very uh, low key as far as the violence. So I'm not sure why this was an R rating. Do you have any idea? I'm pretty sure it was language. Yeah, that seems like an idiotic. Uh, well, it, that's always irritating. Me, I so. was going to say, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> I, I've always been irritated. Yeah, by 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 uh, by, uh, by potty mouth Puritans. Uh, I, I yeah, but okay, that's fine. Uh, fascinating thing. Fascinating thing for me is I don't know why I like this movie. Okay, it's that I have. Unlike a lot of movies I go see, especially in the summer, where I may like them, I may not like them, but it's usually only the movies I don't like that I continue to think about. Um, I like this. I was entertained. I I walked out fully satisfied by the experience, but I'm continually wondering why, because it has things in it I don't generally like. I don't like movies about kids, for the most part. Um, I don't like movies that traffic in nostalgia. That is a big part of their appeal. I don't really like horror movies all that much. Right. Um, and I tend not to like movies where you have to have read the book to really get anything out of it. And I could be wrong about that, but since it's a thousand-page book... Um, I assume that there are gaps in the narrative that may make more sense if you've read the book. Um, and they're not, they're not continuity gaps. They're not like, oh, well, how did they get there? Or what, what happened? Or it seems like there's a scene missing. It's just there are things that would make more sense. Like, for instance, the town taint. That makes a little more sense, that the town is infected. It's, it's this sort of um, has this, it's this sort of festering evil rather than this, uh, you know, occasional uh, seven-year locust <laughs> station. Um, I don't know why I don't know why I liked it. Uh, that could also be an irritating thing, but it's it's not bothering me. It was well made. Right. Um, everyone in it was appealing uh, or did their job well. I'm not going to say Bev's dad was <clears throat> I got to tell about him. Um <clears throat> But uh, excuse me, the uh, <clears throat> the kids were good. The kids were good, and maybe having maybe maybe I was primed by Stranger Things because I didn't watch Stranger Things until it reached critical mass of right. people telling me you've got to see this. And I go, oh, kids, that's an '80s nostalgia. I don't no, and no, watch it. It's more than that. More than some of its parts. So maybe I was better prepared to be open-minded about it. 
Um, yes, it's a it's a baffling film. It's a it's a well done film that doesn't deliver a single thing that I went in wanting from it. I knew your reaction to this would be interesting. <laughs> um, irritating for me. I, 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 I do have to say is probably the, the, the thinking about it is the fact that hmm, I think I, I, I do have to say I, the most irritating thing is I will say it's it's the film's reliance on the cat scares. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of booze in the film. There are a lot of booze. And while there is a lot of other stuff in the film, the over-reliance of booze does get irritating after a while. Like I said, I, I, did, I made the cat joke. Um, I think, and it, wor- it was working on the... There was a... There were, like, young 20s, a bunch of you know, mixed group, uh, males and females, behind me. And there was there were, you know, scares followed by laughs. I mean, they were reacting to it uh, the way the filmmakers intended... But yeah, it's just. It's I understood. Just, no, I do. I get it. But I, and then I think the fascinating thing for me is just the fact that a story that I don't like, they were able to take a story that I well, granted, they took the best parts of a story that I overall don't like, but um, they took a story that I don't like and they made it good. And most of all. How often do you see horror films that actually give you well-rounded, well-developed characters? Uh, almost never, which is Especially, one of the reasons I'm not right. One of the reasons I'm not a horror fan. Exactly. So I mean, I the, the fact that we've got an entire group of kids in a mainstream Hollywood horror film, not just a quote-unquote horror film, but I mean, not only is it a group of actors, but it's all kids, and the fact that the characters were all developed, well-rounded, you like them. You mm-hmm. actually do care when the shit happens to them. Mm-hmm. And that is just very, very unusual. Hell, I'm going to say, you know, a lot of Hollywood films in general, not just horror films. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. that That's, <clears throat> I mean, action movies, um, even some comedies where character ought to be your first concern. Uh, don't bother with that in, in, in pursuing laughs or pursuing thrills. Or right, what, right. That can you, Hollywood is doesn't have time for character. They have to get through, you know, the the various Sid Fields screenplay steps. They've got to hit these. They've got to hit the, these particular beats. And yeah. Uh, now it would I, be I, nice. I, it would be nice if if what Hollywood took from the fact that this is making more money than God this weekend is that it would be nice if they realized, hey, character matters. It would be. Will, I don't think that. Will I don't that think happen? That's gonna, no, I don't. I don't think that's going to be the lesson they're going to take. I think they're going to be the, the lesson they're going to take is, oh, let's rummage around Stephen King's backlist and find another old book, because obviously that's what people want. They're not going to. They're not going to get. Oh, you know, the characters are interesting and, and and true to life, and they spend a lot of time developing. That's that's never going to occur to anybody in an executive suite. Ah, uh, uh, well, but there you go, folks. It's it's actually not bad. It's not scary, but it's not bad. So until later, later. Do do do.
do, do. Slumgullion, we still got some guests on the Slumgullion. We're not showing breasts on the Slumgullion. Should probably fade on the Slumgullion. Slumgullion.